for starters, there we go. Today I'm going to ask for your participation, um, so it'll be a little bit different than, than the way we normally do it, but I'm going to ask for class participation here at the end of the message, and uh, the message will be a little shorter, but that's where you come in. So what I'm going to ask you to do so that you can be kind of thinking about this and uh, is... Um, we're going to talk about our hope in Christ being an anchor for our soul. And what I'm going to ask you as, as believers in Christ, as people who trust in Him and hope in Him, I'm going to ask you to bear witness to a, a time or a season where your hope in Christ served as an anchor for your soul, where you just saw how God brought you through um, could be a difficult time, difficult season, whatever. Um, so be be thinking about that um, as the body of Christ. I would like us just to just to testify today to how God has done exactly the thing that we're going to talk about today in Hebrews chapter six. So be thinking about that, and then I'll uh, I'll cue you here in just a little bit. So. Hebrews chapter 6 this morning is where we're at in verse 13 through the end of the chapter. And uh, we're going to actually start in verse 11, but before we, before we start reading through our text, I'd like you to, to join with me as we just remember um, through the, the uh, reciting together of the Hebrews Creed that we just remember together the, the supremacy uh, of Christ, that He is is uh, he is our good news. And so would you stand with me as you join with me in this? Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, Fathers, we open your word today, and as we think on the ways that you have have, um, been our calm in the midst of storms, uh, how you have been our anchor amidst turbulent waters, Lord, we, we ask that you would Draw us together deeply, Lord, in just remembrance of all that you have done today and all that you are for us. Lord, we ask that you would illuminate your word by the power of your spirit to give us understanding and wisdom and uh, an encouragement for, for the days ahead. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So... Um, there, just to do a, a shorter, sort of quick recap, so the two themes of, of Hebrews, there's a big theme and then there's a theme that flows out of it. Um, the big theme is, anyone take a stab at it? Jesus is greater. Um, and because Jesus is greater, then there's a call to believers. The call is to, oh man, we're in chapter 6 here, guys. Persevere, right? Persevere in faith and hope. Um, Because Jesus is greater, greater sacrifice, greater promise, greater covenant that comes through him, uh, we are called then to persevere in the light of that. And um, and there's a, you know, we looked, um, we were looking here in the last couple of weeks at, uh, there's been some warnings to believers not to fall away like that faithless generation during Moses' day um, that had their hearts hardened towards God. And so there's the, the sort of negative and positive 
encouragement here. The negative is, don't be like that generation who, who had contempt for God in their heart. And the positive is, persevere to the end because we have this glorious hope in Christ. And so we're going to look at, uh, so that, that gives us kind of the, the backdrop here when we get to our text this morning. So Hebrews chapter 6, let's start in verse 11. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So the beginning of our, our, our passage here, there's the, the, that um, says, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end. That call again to persevere in our hope in Christ. And then he doubles back to, um, to talking about Abraham. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, that is God, uh, in making his promise to Abraham, he couldn't, he couldn't swear by anyone else's name because there's no one greater than him. Um, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Uh, And then comments again on that oath that God made, For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So what is this uh, oath that's being referred to here? Well, turn back with me to Genesis chapter 22. Very beginning of your Bibles. We were there once upon a time, motoring through, uh, or trolling through, uh, the book of Genesis. Genesis 22.15. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his uh, young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived at Beersheba. So we have here the, the, the promise and the oath being referred to in Hebrews. Uh, God had instructed Abraham to uh, sacrifice his son, his only son, the son whom he loved, the son of promise, uh, to sacrifice him. And Abraham was following through in obedience, trusting God um, through the whole thing. And, and uh, God, God stopped him at the last moment and then, and then says this to him, um, that, um, that by himself he has sworn that because Abraham had done this and he had not withheld his son, his only son, which is uh, re- 
is a foreshadowing of something that God is going to do later, right? God the Father is going to do with God the Son. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should uh, have eternal life. So we have a foreshadowing here of something that Abraham was not forced to actually follow through with, but yet God the Father will follow through with um, in the sacrifice of his Son on our behalf. And so as we look here in Hebrews, uh, this this, uh, calling back to this promise and oath given to Abraham, um, we have two things that are said to be unchangeable. Uh, Verse 18 Uh, It says, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. What are the two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie? Well, one, God's promise. God made a promise, Abraham. And two, his oath. So God took an oath uh, concerning the promise that he had made. So an oath is a calling on something greater than oneself to stand as a witness to the promise being made. Um, You know, we too often, uh, as human beings, we take too lightly the name of God in calling Him to bear witness to our promises, which I would imagine that uh, if we took stock on all the times that people have referred to God's name to bear witness to their promises, we would find that God would want to have nothing to do with their promises, probably. (laughs) Um. But, uh, but it's a call, an oath is a calling on an authority greater than oneself to bear witness to um, one's promise or commitment being made. But for God, there is no one greater to call upon. And so he calls upon himself to bear witness to the promise being made. And so there's two things in which it is impossible for God to lie um, being, being said here concerning a promise made to Abraham. And as we see here, the, the author in Hebrews, uh, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, makes the turn from a promise to Abraham to a promise to we. And so the, there's this uh, sort of, um, God does this from time to time. I think of uh, recently we referred to uh, where Jesus talks about um, his his, uh, his followers being securely in his hand and securely in the Father's hand. Now, do, do we really need uh, an extra layer of security when the first one is sufficient? I mean, we're secure in Jesus' hand. But there's that extra measure of, of confidence given to us that not only are you secure in the Son's hand, you're secure in the Father's hand. And so it wasn't that the first one was insufficient. It's just that point taken. You're secure in the hands of God through Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Um, And so there are times where where God will reemphasize something in such a way that it's not to suggest that the first word is insufficient, but rather to drive home the point that he means business. It is as if it is already done. And so God promises, makes a promise to Abraham, and by virtue of, of, of that promise to Abraham, as we're going to see, there's a promise made to believers um, in Jesus Christ. We're going we're to look at that in just a moment. And so God makes that promise. Now, God is never going to break his promise. God is faithful to the end, perfectly so. But, to drive home the point, then he says, I swear by myself that I'm going to follow through with this. And so we have that, that, that double uh, insulation to that on God's part. But then look what he says. So he's talking about Abraham. He's talking about the promise made to Abraham. And then uh, there's an interesting thing that happens here. He says, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. So he makes the turn just so fast that 
to go from the promise made to Abraham to we, we who have received the promise of God, that now have strong encouragement to hold tightly to this hope that has been set before us based on the promise of God. Now, first of all, um, we here is, is talking about the believers together. We um, have who have fled for refuge. Who, are, who have fled for refuge? Fled from refuge from what? Um, maybe uh, political turmoil uh, or, or, or civil unrest or something like that. No, um, not even persecution that are being fled for refuge. But we who have fled for refuge, what have we fled from for refuge? We have fled from sin and death and the wrath of God. Those who have taken hold of the promise through Jesus Christ of forgiveness of sins and eternal life and a belonging to the family of God have fled from what we were standing in the path of. We have fled from, from standing in the path of God's wrath and judgment against our sin. And we have fled from that to Christ, who is our Savior. And we who have fled from that, from that to a refuge in Christ, we have this strong encouragement now to hold fast to the hope set before us. So that the promise now, as we're being, as being revealed here, and not only here, but the promise made to Abraham wasn't just about Abraham's uh, bloodline. In fact, turn to Galatians chapter 3 with me. Now this, uh, this may or may not mean much to us, but um, to a predominantly Jewish audience, this is really, really important. To understand that that one does not arrive into the kingdom of God or to the family of God simply by being born by the right parents. Uh, no, and, and similarly, just because you were born in a, in, into a family that attends church regularly and perhaps even your parents are faithful to God doesn't make you a child of God. And so let's look at Galatians chapter 3, 1-9. through nine. To see then how one becomes a part of the promise here, a part of the family of God, if it's not through blood. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Did you ever think about that? That God preached the gospel to Abraham. Preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. And so there we have it. The promise of Abraham wasn't just pointing to the establishment of, of a nationality of people. It was pointing to the establishment of the family of God built on the promises of God, ultimately through Jesus Christ. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So who is it then that are inheritors of the promises made to Abraham? Well, it's not those who are born of the right uh, blood genealogy. 
but rather those who are born of a faith genealogy. That is, those who, like Abraham, trust in God. And specifically, now that Christ has been revealed as as, uh, the Savior, the Messiah, it is those who trust in Jesus Christ who become members of the family of God through faith in Him. In fact, if we remember John's Gospel, it says, Now to those who believe in Him, who believe in His name, to them He gave the right to become children of God. Not to those who were born of the right bloodline, who who happen to grow up in, in a Christian home, or go to the right church, or even have faithfully attended church, even though, you know, maybe mom dragged me along every day, but at least I went, right? Uh, But rather those who have of themselves believed in Him, whose faith is stayed in Christ. And so we have now a hope in Christ And in verse 19 he says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. Having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so not only does it say that we have... uh, uh, that we have this strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us, but it says then that this hope that we have now in Christ, that is the hope that, that we are going to be saved from sin, saved from death, inherit eternal life, be, ch- be called children of God, that when we stand before God, we are not, no longer going to have the title and label sinner um, and have the, the, the verdict of guilty and then the punishment of wrath, but rather we are going to be have the title child of God, declared forgiven, uh, not guilty, based on the righteousness of and sacrifice of Christ, and we are going to be given the inheritance of eternal life in the kingdom of God. Now we... Remember in Hebrews here, the, the audience here, um, they're going through some difficult things. Difficult things that are trying, for many of them, trying their faith in God. And so there's this encouragement of don't fall away. Persevere. We have a hope that is sure. It is, God is never going to fail in His promises to us. God is going to follow through with what He said He was going to do in saving us and bringing us home to glory. So don't give up hope. Continue walking forward in obedience to Him and keep that hope ever before you. Look, we, um, I know as, as we sit around here, I'm just, I, I can look around the room and I recall um, several things that you all have, have shared with me at times of the trying things that you have gone through. The very very gut-wrenching, heart-aching things that you have had to endure in this life. And for some of you, it's come not just once, but maybe even several times. That perhaps a season wasn't just a short season, but perhaps a season that just seems like it never ends. Trials and difficulties and sufferings of of many kinds. Um, The effects of living... In a broken world, sometimes the effects of having given your, given your life to Christ and suffering the rejection of others as a result of it. But we have this hope in Christ that is the anchor for our soul. Now that image of the anchor is not by accident. When we consider what is the purpose of an anchor, it is to keep us tethered to something solid Because why? The implication is, if it were not for the anchor, the boat would be adrift. Right? But the anchor that we have stakes us down on something that is unchangeable and true. Unfailing. 
And so when we go through those hard things of life, the rejection of others, the, uh, the, the, the loss of loved ones, illnesses, uh, betrayals, I mean, we can go down the list of, of, of all kinds of sufferings that we go through in this life. And why is it that somehow, believers, we can walk through that and make it to the other side? How is it that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death and don't perish in the middle of it? Is it not because we have this hope that is an anchor for our soul amidst those turbulent waters? People in Hebrews, they're going through the turbulent waters. And their faith is being tested time and again. And the world, the onslaught of the world is saying, give up. Your God is not as great as he said he is. He's not going to come through for you this time. Is it really worth the heartache and pain to keep trusting in him, even though you can look around and see the hardship that you're experiencing. Just give up, and hopefully some of this hardship will just go away. But we have this hope in Christ that is an anchor for our soul, that even in the midst of sufferings, midst trials, and in the midst of temptation to just throw in the towel and give up and just lose faith in God, just remember Job, Job's wife just says, Would you just give up already and just curse God and die? And that's that's the lie that starts coming at us. But we have an anchor for our soul that says, there's better things coming, don't give up. Don't loosen your grip. Hold tighter every minute. Because your promise is coming to fruition shortly. This promise that we have is in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who it says has entered into the inner place behind the curtain. What is the inner place behind the curtain? Well, in the tabernacle um, of of old there, there was uh, this, this very special place that really nobody was allowed to go into. I mean, there was an exception uh, once a year, but nobody was allowed to go into this place. It was the set-apart place where God's presence uh, was, was manifested, and there was a curtain that kept people out. And no one was allowed in there. You and I, we couldn't just go in there and talk to God. No one was allowed in there, and specifically the reason that we were not allowed in there was because the people were not allowed in there was because uh, we're sinners. We're corrupted, and corruption and the holiness of God are, are diametrically opposed. But it was Christ who then, it says, and, and this is, uh, again, remember that one of the points that is made through Hebrews is that there were earthly things that God did in the Old Testament that were pictures of heavenly realities that he was bringing to fruition. And so the picture of the tabernacle, uh, the physical tabernacle, and the separation of the curtain where God was on one side and mankind on the other and there was no way to penetrate that and press into the Holy of Holies where God dwelled but we were permanently separated from him. This is the picture given to us then that in the tabernacle is the picture of the reality that mankind is separated from God by sin. And there is no way to, to, to penetrate that barrier on our part, which is why we needed a Savior. And it says it was Jesus then who entered into the inner place behind the curtain. Do you know the... The, one, the priest that was allowed to go in there once a year, before he could go in there, or when he went in there, one of the things that actually he had to do to make him, it, before he could represent the people before a holy God in the Holy of Holies, is he had to deal with his own sin. 
So before he could deal with the sin of everyone, he had to deal with his own sin first. But Jesus Christ was sinless and therefore can go into the Holy of Holies, our representative, our high priest, with no corruption in him whatsoever, and go before the Father and present himself as a sacrifice for us. You know, the interesting thing is with that whole imagery of the tabernacle and the, and the spiritual realities that, that come to light in Christ is that when Christ died, do you know what actually physically happened in the temple? The curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from average Joes like you and me was torn in two from top to bottom. Does that make a statement on God's part about what's going on in the sending of His Son? Listen, God has gone to great lengths to save us. There is no one greater than He. He has given His Son for us. Do you think He's going to not make good on that promise? Do you doubt it for a moment? He has gone before us, in front of us, it says, to deal, to do something, to go into a place that was impossible for us to go, and to do something that was impossible for us to do. That you and I would be redeemed by it. To bring us into glory, to carry us through the hardest of seasons in life until we enter. God's rest from our striving. This side of heaven is going to be full of striving. Um, Earl talked about life, uh, making the comment there, life's not easy, but God is good. And that's, that's certainly a very condensed version uh, of, this, of what all is going on. But that is the condensed truth that we hold on to as believers. Life is... Uh, really kind of stinks sometimes, the stuff we have to endure and go through and, and strive through. And this side of heaven, it's going to be full of strivings. There's a lot of joys, don't get me wrong. There are some good times. There are some good seasons. There are blessings to be had this side of heaven that, that we would never trade for anything. But along with those blessings are strivings through difficulties. And in the blessings, we know God is God and God is good and we, we thank Him for it. But in the strivings, we can start to get disoriented and start to question, God, are you really there? Are you really doing what you said you would do? Are you going to see us through this? And in those times, we need an anchor for our soul. Well, I... Uh, know that there have been seasons that you have gone through where, where the hope that you have in God fulfilling his promises has been an anchor for your soul. And, um, you know, certainly we, um, as a family, Jenny and I and the kids, we've gone through um, some things ourselves where were it not for the hope that we have in God's presence and, and sovereignty and his promises being sure, I really don't know what we would hold on to. I mean, we would be, we would be just like, like climbing a, a, a cliff of loose basalt. You, everything you grab a hold on is not going to hold. It's going to break loose. But what we have in Christ is never going to break loose. Um, and... You know, I, I think about just, uh, boy, so many things. I mean, gosh, when you're a parent, it seems like there's many opportunities to hold tightly to God and trust Him for things. Um, I think about just just in marriage, um, you know, two people who, who are different and who are themselves sinners by their own right coming together in marriage, um, there are plenty of opportunities to, hit the, to, to look for the escape hatch. There are plenty of opportunities to say, I don't know, this is just too big for us. But because of the hope we have in Christ, there's a, there's a never say die. 
kind of attitude that goes into it because we know that whatever we're going through right now, that there's something more glorious on the other side of it because we have the presence of God working in us right now, even in the ugly stuff, to see us through this. I'd like to invite you because I, I know and I hope you're not too timid. We may just need some brave person to get us started. But I know you all have your stories where you can testify to how God has been an anchor. This hope you have in him has been an anchor for your soul through the turbulent waters of life. And uh, I think it's good for us as a church body to acknowledge him. This is not a thing where we draw attention to ourselves. It is acknowledging Him and letting Him be seen for the great, the the great God that He is, for to let Jesus be seen as greater than all. Um, And so, what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to set this mic up right down here, and then I'm going to actually sit down, uh, and I'm going to let you tell the story of God's faithfulness and His greatness. And how he has been an anchor for your soul through turbulent waters. And whoever is bravest among you may go first. Twenty years old, sitting in church, just like you guys are. Been saved for a couple months. The preacher, guest preacher, says, "There's somebody here. God has a word for." And my heart started to beat immediately, and like a um, pupil in a class that doesn't know the answer, I didn't make eye contact with him. He walked down the aisle, pointed at me, and says, "I think it's you." He said, "Be faithful for 18 months, and God opened a door." Paul said to Timothy, wage a good warfare by the prophecy that has gone before you. So it was the worst 18 months of my life. After I got that word, my girlfriend dumped me. My dad got cancer. And he had a pain in his back in June. And in August, he died. I had to quit my uh, education and get a job. And how many times during that time I felt like giving up? And the word was an anchor. Be faithful for 18 months and I'll open a door. I won't go into a lot of detail, but on the 18th month, the last day of the month, I was on the first time an airplane flying to Germany with a guy intending to spend six weeks in Europe on a mission. And it turned out to be um, 10 years and 40 nations. So God is faithful, and that word is an anchor, because if you have a word from God, there's two things for sure. It's going to be tested, and if you have a timing with the promise, it's going to be tested ten times harder. You know, it's funny, the the time that God intended the people to stay in the wilderness was about 18 months. They turned it into a 40-year period. So you have to be faithful during that time. And God will take you through the wilderness quickly. But you have to hold on to the promise because the devil was riding me like a mule. I mean, he's saying, you serve God and he takes away your dad, takes away your girlfriend, you lose your education. And it was all true on the natural. But in the end, God is faithful. If you stand on what he's promised you, he will do it for sure. have uh, so many going through my mind, but I will uh, try to say this uh, quickly. But many of you know that 
my wife Janelle had an accident um, on a late Sunday afternoon. A drunk driver hit her head on going up the hill out of Harrison here. Um, when I met Janelle, <coughs> uh, God showed me that I had a choice. And um, it was as clear as day, and I chose her. And she chose me, thank God. And I've loved her dearly. But the day that that accident happened, um, we had a fishing tournament. She was a great wife and came down to the weigh-in on a, it was in October and it was rainy and cold. And um, we didn't do very well and, I, and she wasn't feeling very well and I told her, I, you need to go home. Well, lucky I had my phone in my pocket uh, three minutes later, after I told her to go home, I get a call from her, and she says, I've been hit head-on, I can't get out of the car, and the phone went dead. And I was standing next to my son, and, uh, you know, my heart just sank. And within five minutes, we were at the wreck scene up at the top, and she was pinned in the car for 45 minutes. Um, looked like it was very serious as far as internal injuries and, and back injuries. And um, she was <coughs> the mother of my children, the love of my life. And, um, excuse me, <laughs> I get pretty emotional in my older age and in this story. But um, she uh, took us about 45 minutes to get her out of the car. Um, Life flighted her to, to Coeur d'Alene, and we had to drive. They wouldn't let me get in the, the helicopter with her, so we had an hour of, uh, and we prayed, and we prayed, and all of a sudden, God put this on me that I gave her to you. She's not yours. She's mine, and if I take her home today, you have been blessed beyond belief, and um, she'll be in a better place. And at that point in time, it felt like the world had come off my shoulders, not knowing the seriousness of any of that. And in my time of need, God was faithful his oath was true, and um, I've realized since those days on, and we've had another situation that um, was, was similar to that, and I realized that this life is so permanent, uh, temporary, and God has a plan. It's better, way better than what we know, and it doesn't always fit our earthly um, minds, but it is right and it's correct, and uh, uh, it's just it's it's just a blessing to have a God that knows better than I do, um, and uh, that's my story. I could just say my whole life is a miracle. That's, but um, this is not heart-wrenching. It's, it's amazing. Um, we probably, every day when we're on that road, have a miracle in our cars. Um, when we don't get in a wreck, it's a miracle. And this was, we had to move my son from Las Vegas to California. And so we had... Um, a trailer behind our one-ton truck in rush hour traffic in Las Vegas, bumper to bumper. I mean, all lanes. There was five lanes. Was a, they got this big area. And I was like, okay, God, <laughs> help us. Because I was actually a little scared with the trailer and everything. And it was stopping and going. And we were close together. But anyway... Um, all of a sudden, this car in front of us just stopped. 
and my husband swerved in the next lane. I'm listening for the crash. I literally, just seconds ago, I mean, there were cars, bumper to bumper next to me. Our entire truck trailer moved over to that lane. There was a complete gap out of the blue. And to this day, I still think about that time. Because I looked over, there were cars there just a second ago. God has done this many times with cars for us or whatever and traveling. But I put my life in his hands every time I get into a car. And there's times we do have an accident. And God takes care of us then, too, as well. But all those accidents we don't have are miracles. And um, we need... to rely on him every single minute of our lives. I am not a public speaker by any means, but I feel that I need to share my story. So I have been attending church here for roughly eight years. When I first started attending, I was a single mom raising two kids out of wedlock, and I just kind of felt that my situation was not one that very many people were in in this church, and I felt guilty for my choices, my decisions in life, and it was hard for me to come to church every Sunday, but God said, you know, keep going. Your kids need that. You need that. Keep going, and so through the years, my kids both were baptized and became Christians, and both of them have become very good disciples for the Lord. They've worked at summer camps. They've discipled. And then in 2018, I got married. And in 2020, COVID hit. My marriage fell apart. I was divorced. And once again, the guilt and the shame of, Lord, I disappointed you. I need to be follow you and be more. I just felt that I disappointed the Lord. And once again, didn't want to go to church because my sins were right out there for everybody to see. But he continued, you need to go, take the kids, be there. So 2020, work got slim. I was now divorced and raising two kids on my own, paying a mortgage payment. And everything was really difficult financially. And about a week after Thanksgiving, we had just put our Christmas tree up on a Sunday afternoon and um, got everything put away, and about 8 o'clock at night, there was a knock at my door. Nobody came to my house at 8 o'clock at night. It was dark. I opened the door, and there was a complete stranger standing there with a bag. And I knew Christmas was going to be a struggle that year, just because of everything that was going on. And he hands me this bag. I have no idea who this man was. Still don't. But inside of that bag was a very, very generous gift that provided a very nice Christmas for my kids. And uh, I knew that came from the Lord, that he provided that time of my need and took care of the girls and I and made it a very enjoyable Christmas. And then through the next couple of years, I kept attending church, and it's just the Lord just keeps blessing me and blessing me. And the times where I feel shame of my life, he draws me back, and he blesses me. And I'm just so thankful for him. My name is Sherry, and um, my husband and I have had a long season of suffering. Uh, We had a son born in Hong Kong, and um, he had a death sentence when he was an infant, five months old. And I got a word from the Lord from the Word of God that came from John and Jesus said this illness is not death it is to the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it our son was not supposed to live to be a year old and um, he lived to be 22 years and 7 months and He was living and dying almost every day. 
he died. But the purpose of his life was not death. It was sustaining my family through all of that and driving deep a relationship with God that I couldn't have forged any other way. And the anchor and hope of my soul is the resurrection of Jesus. In an happening similar to Dave's on a late Sunday afternoon, our son dropped in his tracks, never to make another one on the hill he loved. Our ship instantly started rocking pretty severely. But the chain that holds our anchor to the rock that doesn't move, never broke. It pulled hard, it still does, but God is good and Jesus is greater than all. For I consider the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is revealed to us. The anxious longing of the creation, us all included, eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. The creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected in the hope that the creation itself we set free from slavery to corruption, the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth until now. So, I mean, we suffer through so many things every day, but uh, everything that he does is greater than everything that we're, we are put through, everything that we're tested with. You know, I wake up daily, the first thought that I've had for 20 years, every morning is, I really hurt. But... Um, you know, so many of you guys have been through through much more, and we're constantly we're constantly getting up um, to encourage the person next to us to give them some hope through Christ of what we've been through. You know, we fall down so we can pick up the next person, encourage them in Christ, pray for them, say, "I know what you mean. I know what you're going through." <laughs> As I'm right there with you. So, just be thankful for, for our sufferings. That's something somebody challenged me a while ago. Somebody asked me, have you, have you been thanking God for your pain? What a ridiculous thing to pray for. <laughs> but that's, that's biblical to, to thank God for our trials. Um, because even though he doesn't, he doesn't inflict suffering on us, he, uh, he uses those opportunities to grow us and to help other people. So yeah, I'm thankful for that. I have uh, confidence that that is a very small sampling of all there is to be had here by way of God's faithfulness to this body. Um, and by God's grace, together, we're going to keep holding tightly to this anchor that God has given us of Christ. And... Um, you know, we, when we think about the faithfulness of God, 
Um, I think about, for me, uh, I think about the things that I sort of take for granted. Like I, I have faith in it to the point where I just take it for granted. I mean, that's kind of a real display of faith, I think. It's just you're, there's so much faith there that you don't even think about it or consider it. You just count on it. Like the sun coming up, right? Like winter coming, uh, like my like the faithfulness of my wife. There are just things that I wake up each day and I don't even give a thought to it. I just count on it. Is there out of all those things that we count on like that? Is there anything more faithful than God? Even those things pale in comparison to the faithfulness of God. And out of all the things that we wake up and count on each day, there is one thing that rises above them all, and it is the theme of Hebrews. Jesus is greater. He is a greater hope. He is a greater promise. He is a, he is a, a sure thing, a sure anchor than, than any, anything else we could, we could hold on to. And my encouragement to you, church, is to continue to hold on to that anchor. He will see you through. That is his promise. You can bank on it. You can live by it. In fact, when we get a little bit further on, we're going to take a sneak peek here real quick into Hebrews chapter 11. It starts out with, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is, uh, it is counting today as happened what is future to actually happen. It's saying today it's done and banking on it and counting on what God has done, it is done. And though we may not have realized it in full yet, it's done. It's going to happen. And you, church, can count on it. Thank you for all of you who shared with us just testimony of God's faithfulness. And um, I'm just really grateful for that. Thank you for the way that you've encouraged the body of Christ today as well. Father, we thank you for all of your blessings, for your faithful hand at work every single day in our lives. And Lord, we acknowledge you. You You are greater than all. Lord, there's no greater hope. There's no greater rock. There is, uh, Lord, you, you are our all in all. Um, God, as we think to our future, there is no future greater than, than being called your child, being part of your family through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that for any of those here who do not share this hope because they have not received your son by faith, I just ask that they would do so today that you would prick their heart and turn their heart to you, that they would cry out to you, that they too would be included in the family of God through believing in your Son. Lord, you are faithful and we praise you. We worship you. You are almighty. You are glorious. You are majestic. You are faithful and you are true. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to encourage you all to remember that uh, we're hosting a service at Valley Vista today to remind those folks of the hope that we have in Christ and encourage them today. So I hope that you'll consider being a part of that. That's at 3 o'clock. If you need a ride, I'll be pulling out from the church here at 2.20. So need a ride be here before that what's that the service yeah so it's it's a half an hour long starts at three o'clock and um, any residents that that attend that um, uh, we just kind of sit beside them and be an encouragement to them help them kind of turn through the songbook and sing together with them that's a big part of it just singing hymns together um, to encourage them, we share a little bit of scripture and, and pray together and um, just try to be a bright spot in their day and encourage them in Christ. And so um, I want to leave you with this word from Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, 
Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen.